Well, listen, if you come with us to the Dominican Republic, you will have white stuff on the ground, but it'll be warm, it'll be dry, it's called sand. <laughs> you won't have any of this. And, uh, you know, I heard they're going to start breaking the ice in the water baptismal today so that it'll be ready for next week. Wow. Man, I didn't expect all of this, but it's been a challenge to get here. So I had to go from Fort Myers to Phoenix to Seattle. And I rented a car, and I'm saying, I'll just drive over the pass. But you all close them things down. So I had to drive all the way down to Portland, and then over, and then up. And then just pray with me that those passes will open tomorrow, so I can drive just two and a half hours across instead of backtracking the way I did coming here. Boy, it, you know what somebody said to me? They said, Pastor, you had such a struggle getting to Wenatchee. God must have something special in store for us today. I believe that. How many of you will believe with me? I mean, I didn't come here just to tell you about Hope International. I came here to preach the word and believing that something is going to happen in response to it. Can you say amen? That's what it's all about. It's all about what God wants to do in our lives and how he wants to shape us, form us, make us, and mold us. And uh, we're here to allow him to do all of those things in our lives. Well, listen, Hope International Ministries was birthed many years ago. Actually, 21 years ago, I've been doing Hope International Ministries longer than I pastored now. I pastored for 20 years in the Michigan District, the Assemblies of God, the church that I planted and pioneered, grew it to 600 people, left and started Hope International Ministries. And we've been doing that for 21 years now. What do we do? We do medical missions in the Dominican Republic and we respond to disasters around the world, wherever they may take place. We are one of the only um, NGO, non-governmental organizations endorsed by the U.S. Um, Army out of Fort Bragg to deploy with them to disaster areas when they deploy around the world. So we're proud of that and we're blessed to join together with our military. Can you say amen? Yes. Praise God for our military. Amen. Well, listen, uh, the Dominican Republic is special in our hearts. We've been there for now 18 years in the Dominican Republic. We've, seen, we've been able to pray over one pa uh, president and see him give his life to Christ in person. The past two presidents have been dear friends of ours. I've just met with the president a few weeks ago, uh, actually a few months ago. It was in August in the Dominican Republic, and God's doing great things. You may be thinking, well, you, this is a medical trip. I can't go on a medical trip. Listen, you can go on a medical trip because 70% of our team needs to be non-medical to facilitate the medical side of our missionary endeavor because we do construction, we build a church or a school, or we help to renovate a project in a church while we're there, our construction team. Our evangelism team is continually working, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our intercessory prayer team has a room that they focus on just praying for people as they come through the clinic. We have a gift room. We have security. We have logistics. We have a pastor's conference in which we poured into lives of over 2,400 pastors this last the last time we were in the Dominican Republic because of COVID was 2019. And so when you're thinking and you're seeing this video that's going to be shown right now, I want you to think of all of those different facets of what Hope International is all about and you can be a part of as well. If you'll go ahead and show that video, my friends.
it has. There it goes. To know you and to make you known This is the anthem of our souls Send us out, we will go This is hope. 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 To the unreached and forgotten, let us be your healing arms. There's a task you've laid before us. Your voice we can't ignore. You said go into the nations as your final word to
Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? This is what Hope International does in the Dominican Republic every year when we go there. And you saw a myriad of things. And we want you to know that if you're a medical professional, please. Uh, I didn't mention you to begin with, but we need you. It doesn't matter what specialty that you have in the medical profession, we need you in the Dominican Republic. Our entire team is covered by a waiver of liability by the President of the Dominican Republic, signed by him. Your credentials are good there, and we need you desperately in the Dominican Republic. June 20, yeah, June 20th through the 28th of 2022. And uh, uh, you can just go come to our table in the foyer. You can pick up a prayer card, which has our website on it. And that'll give you information on how to sign up all online. Also, for those of you that are watching via live stream or the internet, please, you can go to hopeinternationalministries.org and you can sign up online. And I'm sure that we'll have more information here at the church for you. Stop by and pick it up. We do have information in the foyer at my table and you can stop and pick that up as well on your way to the informational meeting that's directly following this service. There's also something else that you can avail yourself to, and that is I have, I think, 13 bags left of Dominican coffee. Now, Starbucks tried to keep me from bringing it here because they know we're better than they are. It's the most amazing coffee that you've ever had. So if you'd like to buy some coffee, uh, it's $15 a bag. Just see the, our friends that are at our table in the foyer, and they'll be glad to serve you. We want to say thank you for making what you just saw in 2019 possible. It's because of your giving. It's because of your generosity. Let me tell you something. The way to make a church grow is to be involved, immersed in missions. It doesn't happen any other way. Missions is the heart of God. Missions is evangelism around the world. And you say, well, what has that got to be, do with me? It's got a lot to do with you because the Bible tells you you are your brother's keeper. Hello? So they are important. It doesn't matter whether they agree with everything that we agree with or not. Jesus died for them. Hallelujah. And so they deserve to receive the, the, the gospel and have an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus Christ. One president has, seven of his cabinet members have given their lives to Christ under our ministry, and it's just incredible what God is doing in the Dominican Republic. Can you say amen? Well, listen, I want to put up this first picture. Would you go ahead and put that first picture up, please? That first picture is our team from 2019, uh, 272 people. And we want you to be a part of that team this next year. Go ahead and go to the next picture, if you would, please. This is a picture of me with the president, three-term president, Leonel Fernandez, in the Dominican Republic in August. And uh, he's a dear friend of mine, graduated from Harvard, and he is incredible, a blessing to that nation. Can you say amen? Oftentimes, what I'm told that we do is out of the box. Why don't you go ahead and put that box up there? 
these little boxes. I forgot to bring them with me. They would be sitting right here today. And I called my wife this morning. I said, take a picture of it and send it to me. I forgot to put them in my bags. But what we're told we do is out of the box. And it's true. Two months before I was supposed to go to the Dominican Republic with our team in 2019, I was summoned to the palace in Santo Domingo by the government there. And I had meetings with them. And God spoke to my heart concerning what he was about to do among us and through us on the trip in 2019. And immediately I braced myself, I immersed myself in prayer because whenever God is about to do something, hell always tries to break in just before the breakthrough. You see, God took me to this little shop downtown in the old colonial city where I saw these little Dominican boxes on the shelf. And God said, buy one of those boxes for every one of your team members. I said, what? And then he proceeded to tell me how to instruct our team so that we would see his healing and saving power manifested amongst us. I said, God, is that you? Are you really telling me to do this? And the Holy Spirit reminded me of the words recorded for us in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. The word of the Lord had just come to Jeremiah church and he declared in prayer, ha, Lord God. Behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult for you. Can you say amen? You see, believers today need to be reminded of Jeremiah's declaration. There is this, 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 this cloud of hopelessness that's been engulfing our world today. And we need to be reminded of Jeremiah's declaration because we have a habit of putting God in a box setting them up on a shelf, and then we take them down and we let them out and we call upon him when we get into a situation or a problem or a moment of desperation and we need him to show up on our behalf. And we have a habit of putting God in the box when it comes to believing him for the seemingly impossible in our lives, especially when things that are happening all around us in this world like it is right now just doesn't make sense. That's when we have a habit of taking control. Do we have any control freaks here? That's what I thought. You see, we, I, I, I'm a fixer. Any fixers in the house? We try to fix it. We know how to get this taken care of. When all the time, God just wants us to let him out of the box so he can fix it the way it's supposed to be done. Well, how do we let God out of the box? Well, first we need to understand what put God in the box. Anybody want to know that? We put him in a box when we put our agenda above his. That's how that happens. We put our agenda above his. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Isaiah penned these words. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, sometimes I think that we think we know better than God thinks. Why? Because we put our agenda above his. You see, we put our agenda above his when we fight for our political party's positions and platforms and we spend more time doing so. That's the operative phrase here. More time doing so than reaching the loss with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Come on, somebody say amen. You see, all this political foolishness that's going around has me praying for a revival that will totally disrupt the 2022 elections in the same way it did when the famous evangelist Billy Sunday came into a city. Has anybody here ever heard of Billy Sunday? Man, get on, get on the internet, Google him, find out what happened when he held revival meetings in cities across our nation. When he had revival meetings, bars closed down. Willingly, they just closed down the power of the Holy Spirit, shut down prostitution rings. Criminals repented and literally walked down to the police station and turned themselves in. Political leaders of the day were on their faces before God, repenting to a holy God, and society listened to what the Word of God declared over our nation and our lives. How many of you would like to see that again? You see, let me remind us all, friends, that Jesus didn't fill you with his Holy Spirit to be a political witness. He filled you with his Spirit to be his witnesses. All political discussions are banned on our trip. Break that rule and you get a trip, quick trip to the airport to go home immediately. I'm serious. Pastor, you've been with me. That's a non-negotiable. It ain't going to happen. The Dominican people could care less about our politics. All they care about is, can you help me live to see tomorrow? You see, while there's a great strength in unity amongst diversity, nothing divides a people quicker than politics. And nothing will hold back the blessings of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, my friends, the life-saving, miracle-working power of God quicker than a body of believers who are divided and fighting amongst each other. Listen, Jesus is coming again. I said Jesus is coming again. Because, see, this seems to be a lost message in our churches today. Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 is still true. It says, for the Lord himself will descend out of heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. Can you imagine? And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. Jesus is coming again. And I believe his return is very near. Anybody here believe that with me? It is. There's no time to waste. Our priority must be to reach Wenatchee, the entire Northwest, and the world with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let me put an end to this point with this. If our interaction with politics causes us, I want you to hear this clearly, causes us to hate, to loathe, to mock, to act uncaringly toward any individual on either side of the aisle. We probably have a little idolatry going on there. I checked in the book, this Bible, this morning, and that love your enemies thing, it's still there. God doesn't see politics. He doesn't see political parties. He sees people. He sees a mission field. And every person who doesn't know Christ is a mission field. Can you say amen?
As we look at our society today, clearly, we're struggling to regain godly control. And it would do us well to consider the words of Ezra proclaiming the faithfulness of God to a repentant people in Ezra 9, 5 through 9. Let me read that to you real quick. This is what it says. The evening sacrifice I arose from my fasting, and having torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and I spread out my hands to the Lord my God, and I said, Oh my God, I'm too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers, to this day we have been very guilty, and for our iniquities we, our kings and our priests, have been delivered into the hands of the kings of the lands to the sword to captivity, to plunder, and to humiliation as it is this day. And now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape, to give us a peg in his holy place, that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in the midst of our bondage. Can you say amen? A measure of revival in the midst of our bondage. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage. But yet he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia. For what? To revive us. To repair the house of God. To rebuild its ruins and to give us a role in Judah and in Jerusalem. Listen, friends. I have personally witnessed an entire country where the church used the weapons of their warfare that are not carnal but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, the church in the Dominican Republic, for many of you that don't know what happens there, they have no political clout in the Dominican Republic whatsoever. I asked Pastor Robert, my spiritual Dominican son, I said, Pastor Robert, how many times a week do you guys have service? He said, every night. I said, what? He said, every night. I said, are you telling me that you have to prepare a message to preach every day? Do you have time to sleep or eat or breathe? Because I know what it takes to prepare a message. And preparing three messages a week is, is a struggle. How do you find time for that? He says, oh, no. Oh, no, Dad. He calls me Dad. I call him son. He says, oh, no, Dad. I don't preach every night. He said, I preach once a week. The rest of the time, we spend praying. Wow. What a novel idea. The church in the Dominican Republic has no political clout, but they knew that they had the weapon of prayer in their arsenal, and they used it. The week our team arrived to the Dominican Republic, the week, the very week our team arrived in the Dominican Republic in 2019, it's crazy. The government made it law for the Bible to be taught in every classroom and in every school in their entire country. That's what prayer does, my friends. 
You see, as Ezra reminds us, let me encourage you as well, friends, to take advantage of these days that we are living in right now, to repent on behalf of our nation who has strayed so far from the biblical foundation from which it was built upon, to maximize our opportunities to reach the lost and the hurting for Jesus, to work while it's yet nay, for the night is coming when no man can work. The church is changing the nation in the Dominican Republic, and I I am just crazy enough to believe that the church can change this great nation as well. Be salt and light and let your voice be heard in the voting booth. But remember this, that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't destroyed because of the wickedness of its king or the ruling party. It was destroyed because of the lack of ten righteous men to redeem it. Think about that. Secondly, the wrong attitude will dam up the flow of the rivers of living water in which God desires to saturate our lives in. Wrong attitudes keep him in the box. In the Dominican Republic, our attitudes need to be focused, laser-focused on the mission of touching every patient that comes to our clinic with the compassion of Christ. Same is true here at First Assembly. An attitude that says, that's not my job. Oh, I did that before. Or the one I hear in Florida all the time when I preach in churches. I'm retired. Seriously? Those attitudes are no bueno. That means no good. My wife and I took uh, uh, four pastors to the Dominican Republic one December several years ago. And... Uh, I knew one of them real well. No, it was three pastors, myself, my wife, and a translator. And we were doing a pastor's conference in December. And so we went there, and I knew all of these guys. I knew the one guy really well, but I didn't know the other two guys who were brothers, who were also pastors from the Northeast. And uh, we get there, and... Uh, we have never done a pastor's conference in this area before. I had no idea what to expect, where they were housing us, what was going to happen. But they took us to this little hotel. I'm talking little. And uh, they had said that we had good rooms, nice rooms with air conditioning and large beds. And what we found when we got there was a little room about the size of a walk-in closet and the beds were not king-size beds. They were like youth single beds. And one of these guys were pretty big. Six foot four, 220. He was a big boy. And so I said, okay, guys. And they had a little air conditioner in the window that worked when the power worked. And so I told him, I said, everybody go get settled in your rooms. Come on back down to the lobby where there was three tables that we pushed together. And that was the restaurant. And we'll have dinner. So about 20 minutes later, everybody gets back down. And we're sitting around talking. How's your room? Yeah, yeah. And the one guy goes, well, you know, God called me to pastor. Right away, I'm thinking, nah, he's not going to go there. Nah, he's not going to go there. He said, yeah, God called me to pastor, and when I go to a country to do a pastor's conference, like Nicaragua or, or, um, or, 
Costa Rica. The, the pastors, they meet me at the airport. They carry my Bible. They carry my luggage. They take me to a nice hotel. I'm thinking, oh, man, he is going there. He said, they take me to a hotel where we have air conditioning all the time. I have a large bed, a nice room. And when they feed me, I get to eat the kind of food that I like to eat. Steak, lobster. This, this honestly happened. My wife was here. She would tell you. And we're all sitting there, and I'm thinking, while he's saying this, I'm thinking, oh, God. Put a bridle on my tongue. And he goes, and the reason they do that is because God called me to be a pastor, not a missionary. And I'm going, oh, God, help me. If any of you knew me, you would know I'm a scrapper. Okay? Those words are fighting words even for the redeemed. And I'm like, oh, God, don't let me say something that I'm going to have to apologize for later. God, we just, this is our first day. We got a week here. Help me, Lord God. And, you know, while I was praying, I suddenly realized that I shouldn't have been praying for myself. I should have been praying, oh, God, put a watch over my wife's mouth. Because she looked up, she put her fist down on the table with a smile on her face. She pointed at that pastor and said, well, this week, you're a missionary. <laughs> I'm going, oh, Lord, help me. My goodness. You see, one of the reasons why we see God work literal miracles, I mean, that year, 2019, we saw 179 miracles that God did, verified by our medical community, our, med our, our doctors and our nurses. One of the reasons we see God work miracles, all kinds, is because on our trips, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a physician, a businessman, living on a meager income or a millionaire. We have them all on the trip at the same time. No matter what position you hold here in the United States, when the team steps off the plane in the Dominican Republic for the next seven days, you are a missionary. Paul says it this way, Romans 12, 4, that we are one body but many members, and every member is important. Can you say amen? We let them out of the box when we choose to exercise faith and believe. And when we let them out of the box, we're giving God permission to work in us. At the end of the week of, of, of ministry, our young medical professional, she, she, she was on the team. She came from Texas with a smile on her face and hot tears streaming down her face. She told me that she was suicidal before coming to the Dominican Republic that week. The week before the Dominican trip, her life had crumbled, she said. She had no hope. She had no reason to live. But through a veil of tears, she declared that God had done an incredible work in her life that week, that she was committed to living for him. She rededicated her life to the Lord on our Sunday morning beach service. The last Sunday morning that we're there, we have a beach service on the beach. We 
we, we, we sing, we worship, we have a short message, and then we have a water baptismal service. She rededicated her life to the Lord there, was baptized in water. She came back to the United States, a new person, knowing that Jesus loved her and that God had given her a purpose and a destiny in him. Can you say amen? You see, when we let him out of the box, we're giving God permission to work through us. And you saw through the video how he worked through us. But we are also giving God permission to transform us. One of the ladies from First Assembly, Fort Myers, where I go, uh, church of 7,000 people, signed up for the missions trip. I didn't know her, but somebody else found out that she signed up for the trip, and she came to me and she said, Pastor, do you know that so-and-so is blind? I said, who's that? Well, she signed up for the missions trip, and I thought, but she's blind. And that's what she said. Yeah, that's my point. Is this a good thing to do? And I'm thinking, and there was a, suddenly all kinds of people were coming to me. Pastor, you're not going to let her go, are you? Are you going to do this? So finally, now I'm telling you this with her permission, okay? There was a considerable amount of discussion that took place. Was it a good idea or wasn't it a good idea? But I found her, and I sat down with her. And after speaking with her, after hearing her heart's cry to go on a missions trip once in her life to be able to pray for people, that God would save them and maybe even heal them, it was then that the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly to me and said, take her. I felt that in the midst of our Hope team of 272 people, that hope wasn't just a noun, that it, it was time for hope in action. But within the first 24 hours of being in the country, she fell twice. And I began to question my decision. And the Holy Spirit reminded me, I told you to take her. You know, it's always a good thing to listen to him. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's kind of, my, my wife is known as my own personal Holy Spirit. Any other guys got that too? It's good. You know, we got to get rid of our male Neanderthal way of thinking that our wives are just a showpiece on our arm and understand that God uses them and speaks through them to us and it would do us all good to listen. And anybody who wants to watch football better say amen. So I sat her down and the Spirit of God spoke through me. He said, Get a wheelchair. I thought, get a wheelchair? She's blind, not crippled. God said, get a wheelchair. And then I went on to tell her that she's going to be transported around the resort to and from our clinics by wheelchair every day. And every day she would sit in that chair next to a doctor, a nurse, and a translator. And when the medical team finished their, their examination and their treatment of that patient, that she would be given the opportunity through the translator to tell her that patient the, the message of salvation and pray over them for salvation and to be healed. But she gave me so much purse back, and I'm telling you this with her permission, that I was forced to tell her that first day, you either choose the wheelchair or we are taking you right now directly back to the airport for your flight home because I can't take responsibility for you. You have to do this, one or the other, your choice. You see, 
when we let God out of the box, you need to be willing to go the distance. Because if you don't go the distance, you won't make the difference. We went the distance by letting her go. Now she needed to go the distance by following my directions. You see, people, there will be times, friend, when the Holy Spirit will require you to do things that are uncomfortable, difficult, seemingly unfair, but be obedient to the Holy Spirit, no matter how hard it may seem, and watch him do miracles before your very eyes. Because you go the distance, listen to me, when you go the distance, he surprises you. When you go the distance, he empowers you. When you go the distance, he uses you. Several patients were visibly touched by the blind lady's prayers. In fact, Dr. Ronnie, you remember big Dr. Ronnie, and then Andrea Davis, one of our nurses. Dr. Ronnie and Andrea Davis said that she led 13 people to Jesus. And six of them were miraculously healed right there on the spot. And then in the Sunday night service, the last Sunday night that we're there, we go out and we, we go to like 20 different churches and we send pastors out with translators and they preach in, in a Dominican church. And she went to one of those church services and she got up out of her seat, out of her wheelchair. I wasn't there. I'm told she got out of her wheelchair. She stumbled to the front of the church by feel. And one of our pastors and the Dominican pastor walked over and laid hands on her. And the woman who had minimal sight before the trip, legally blind, left the service seeing light and colors and the outline of figures. Her sight improved so much, folks, that, I mean, she's 72 years old. The next day, she ziplined one mile through the monkey jungle. How does that happen? And you may be thinking, well, why didn't God fully restore her sight? And I'm going to tell you. I don't know. Because I'm not in charge of that department. God is sovereign. Can you say Amen. One young mom in her, uh, on the team testified that she had a history of severe panic attacks almost daily for the last 12 years. So much so that after every panic attack every day, she would have several of them a day, that she'd call her pastor's wife and, and say, I'm not going on the trip. Church, she had never been outside the United States, never been on a missions trip. She suffered from chronic panic attacks, yet somehow that team got her on the plane. How did that happen? I don't know. Then she testified that during the trip, she never personally witnessed a miracle, which blows my mind. They're happening all over the place. She said she never personally witnessed anybody get saved, which also blows my mind. However, on our Sunday morning service on the beach, she suddenly realized that she had not had a single panic attack all week. While she served others and didn't see a miracle, God was doing a miracle in her life. She told me she was just hoping to survive, yet she thrived. 
She like got out of the box. She submitted to his agenda for her. She went the distance and experienced the supernatural in her life. But isn't that just like God? We went to the DR looking to serve for, for him to do miracles in the lives of the people there. And while serving others, he surprises us by doing a work in our lives. Another person lost their, her job before coming. Someone paid her way to go on a trip. So she came to the Dominican Republic. She let God out of the box, was obedient, went the distance. And the job, she got off the plane, within 24 hours she had a job that was like five times better than the job that she had before she left the United States. One guy needed a miracle in his marriage. I found out after he got to the Dominican Republic, his wife was filing for the divorce while he was on the missions trip. I'm thinking, what are you doing here? And I said to him, why are you here? You should be at home taking care of business. Your family's more important. He said, Pastor, God told me to come here, and I had to be obedient. He believed God. He let God out of the box. He was obedient. He went the distance. He went home, and his wife and his marriage was miraculously restored. Can you say praise the Lord? You're probably thinking, wow, Pastor Kurt, sounds like your team was really messed up. Or very needy. Yeah. Aren't we all? Sounds like 12 disciples. What a group they were. And look what Jesus did in them and through them. You're here as a direct result of them. Our team chose to let God out of the box, chose to exercise faith, believe that God had anointed them to touch a nation. And in the midst of it... God touched us. Wow. He worked in us. He worked through us. And he transformed us. And he will transform you if you will let him out of the preconceived box of what you think he can and cannot do in your lives. Five fishers, two loaves. You can't feed 5,000 people with that. The disciples must have thought that Jesus had done lost his mind because they had Jesus in the box of their own limitations. But don't be too hard on the disciples. We all do it. We put them in the box of our preconceived limitations and in the midst of our desperate need of him to help, to bring peace and, and restoration in the midst of our situation, we forget what it says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus said, but with God, all things are possible. Our team said, God, we're letting you out of the box to do whatever you desire to do. For it's in your presence that we are changed. Let me say it again. If you want to accomplish the extraordinary, then you must be willing to travel the distance. You see, this race called Christianity isn't given to the swift, but to those who can continue to the end. Never before had our team ever seen Looking to see what time it is. It says you have plenty of time. Never before. Now listen, this is not an ordinary year. 2019 was extraordinary to say the least. Our team worked 14 hours days in 2019. And I didn't, I didn't ask them to. 
In fact, they forced me to let them. Let me explain. What we do is we hand out tickets in every community that we're going to be in a week ahead of time of our clinics so that only people who have a ticket can come in and be examined and treated. Or else we see three to 4,000 people show up. So everybody knows that when we come, they need to have a ticket to get in the gate to be seen by a doctor, by an optometrist or by a dentist. And so 500 tickets, that's about an eight hour day. And we hand those tickets out. And so at the end of the first day, there were like 250 people in line. After we saw 500 people, 250 more people that didn't have tickets. And my team, being an incredible, compassionate group of people, they said, Pastor, we can't leave them there. They came for help. We have the help to give them. I said, what are you guys saying? I called them all together. I said, what do you guys want to do? Unanimously, they said, we want to work. I said, you know, it's going to be another three to four hours out here. You're not going to get back until 8 o'clock. Are you kidding me? They said, no, Pastor. They deal with what they're dealing with 365 days a year. The least we can do is give seven days to them. I went, wow. Every day, our team went the distance. By the end of the week, we saw a 1,000 more patients than we ever had before in a five-day period. The 2019 team went the distance. They traveled almost two hours one way from our base to Luperon, to a very needed community where no missions teams go because it's so far away from, from the center of the town where we, we ran out an entire resort, and that's where we stay. Two to two-and-a-half-hour drive one way. That meant we had to get up at 5 a.m. to get out there and get set up by 9. That's a long day riding in the back of those missions trucks, ask your pastor. He knoweth it all. And so we, we were on our way out there. We get there. It's the first time we've been in this community. There's no water. There's very little electricity. Electricity wasn't on. We used public schools to hold our clinics in, and our evangelism teams do their work and everything. And we didn't have any electricity. Pastor Rob comes to me and says, Pastor, I saw a place about two miles back. If you let me take the car, I'll go back there. I'll see if they've got a piece of wire that will allow us to hook our generator into their power grid at the school so that our lab will have the power they need and that our dentist will have the power they need. And I said, go for it, go, go. And he took off. So he gets there and he's talking to the people there with a translator about getting a piece of wire about six foot long so we can tap into the power grid at the school and he hears some Americans talking. He looks over, there's a Toyota, little mini small Toyota truck over here with eight Americans in the back of the truck. And, and, and he goes, hey, are you guys from the U.S.? And they go, yes, we're Americans. Are you an American? Yes, I'm an American. Where are you guys from? Well, where are you guys from? The truck of guys said, they said, Ohio. And Pastor, 
Pastor, Pastor Rob, who's from Michigan, went, oh. The Ohio, Michigan, Buckeye, Wolverine thing is still alive in the Dominican Republic. They started talking. What are you guys doing? We're doing a little VBS over here about a mile and a half. What are you guys doing? He said, we've got 272 doctors, nurses, and surgeons. We're doing an incredible medical uh, clinic over here in this town. They prayed with each other, wished each other well, and went their separate ways. The day starts going by, and suddenly I get a call from one of my people. They said, hey, pastor, we need you at the front gate. Security needs you at the front gate. There's some people that want to get in. And I said, okay, so I go down there. It's the Americans. It's those eight Americans that Pastor Rob ran into that morning. And so I said, what can I do for you guys? They said, we heard you've got a medical clinic in here. And this father brought their, the, the little, this little girl. Go ahead and put that first picture up there, will you? Will you put the first picture up? Brought this little girl. This is the father. Brought this little girl. She was unresponsive in his arms, brought this little girl. They said that they brought this little girl to the VBS and said, you're an American. Can you help my child? And they said, we can't help her, but we know who can. They all piled in and they drove all the way. You see how God worked it all out? Sent them all the way over to where we were, and I said, get her in here. And we got her in, and, and, and our two pediatricians, man, they, they grabbed her. They started working on her, and hold it right there. When you put an IV in a baby, in a kid that age, and, and you put that needle in the arm, and they don't even winch, you know you got a problem. You don't need a medical degree to figure that out. Our two pediatricians, they said, listen, get the prayer team in here and get them praying for her because, Pastor, we don't think she's going to make it. They pumped her full of all kinds of IV antibiotics and fluid, and we were praying all day, and about three hours later, all of a sudden, there's this commotion coming from that room. And here's the third picture. This is what I found when I walked in there. Eyes wide open, enjoying a sucker, while the rest of us stood there giving glory to God and weeping like babies. You see, when traveling the distance, why stop short when the promise is right before you? Hebrews 10.6 says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You may be hearing this word here in this place and you've let God out of the box. You may be hearing this word online right now and you're prayerfully waiting for him to answer the prayers that you've been lifting up before him all of these years, maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe years have gone by and you've been praying and you've been expecting God to do something. And, and I want to remind you that, that there's somebody else that was in the same place that you're in right now. His name is Daniel. It took 21 days for Daniel's answer to get back to him. 
The scriptures clearly tell us in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 through 15, that, 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 that he was distraught. This is what it says. Then suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palm of my hands. Now, Daniel's on his knees in the palm of his hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. I would too. I'd be trembling too. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. In other words, from the first day that you spoke those words, we heard those words. God heard your prayer. And I've now come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that Satan, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone with the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the days to come. Listen, Daniel didn't give up, friends. He went the distance, and the answer came. What do you call the distance between a dream and reality? Discipline. Discipline. It takes real discipline to let God out of the box and go the distance. And those who live undisciplined lives rarely see the dream become a reality. We box God in when we have this preconceived idea of what he's going to do or what he can do. When we ought to have a hopeful expectation of the promise. My daughter's husband, my daughter was a uh, Lee County deputy, and her husband was a Lee County deputy. He died in his sleep one night and left her with a two-and-a-half-year-old son, a widow. Shortly after that, while she was in the jail taking care of her pod, of inmates who she treated with respect even though they were criminals convicted she treated them with respect so they respected her back and that saved her life one day when she passed out on the wrong side of the bars those people that respected her protected her they got her to the hospital and they found out that she had a heart defect from the time that she was a child. Part of her heart didn't fully develop. When the heart is, when, the, when, when, when you're born, the heart is spongy, but as you grow, it turns into muscle. And part of her heart didn't turn into muscle, it stayed spongy. Thus, the reason she passed out. 
they got to the hospital, they checked her out, and then they also found out that she had a thyroid condition that was couldn't be handled any other way but killing it. Not surgery, but nuking it. And then the medicine that she had to take for her heart and for her thyroid, they didn't play well together. In fact, the two conditions are potentially deadly. So she goes in to get the consultation from the doctor a few weeks later. Now, all this time, my wife and I are out on the road. We're preaching. We usually travel in a motor coach and preach geographically across the United States. We're not home. We're not there. She's calling us and telling us what's going on all the time. And then she called us after she got out of the, 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 the doctor's office. She tells us that the doctor called her in and said, uh, is your husband here? You should have him come in before we start talking. She said, well, my, my husband passed away a few years ago. He said, is your mother here? Because she really should be in here with us during this discussion. And she said, doctor, my mom and dad are missionaries. They're not even within 1,500 miles of here right now. He said, nobody's with you? She said, no, sir. He reached over, and he put his hand on her hands. And then he put his other hand on top of her hand. And said, what I'm about to explain to you, I just want you to know that I'm not going to let you go through this by yourself. I'm here to go through this with you. And then he went on to tell her that the condition is serious. That the year before, he lost a 21-year-old patient that had the same condition that she had. My wife and I got home in December, about a month later, and we had to sit down and teach my grandson how to use the phone, how to dial 911, and then how to hit speed dial for Gammy and Poppy if mommy didn't wake up. And then thoughts go through our minds. Should we be home or should we still be doing the work of the kingdom in the Dominican Republic? There is not a night that I go to bed that my phone isn't on and sitting next to my bed, whether I'm on the road in the Dominican Republic, no matter where I am. Because as a pastor, Pastor Jerry, you'll testify to the fact that a call in the middle of the night is never a praise report. 
A call in the middle of the night to a pastor is never good news. I go to bed every night praying for my daughter, praying that the phone doesn't ring. The reason I'm telling you this is because that was seven years ago. And my daughter's condition has not changed. The situation is still very real. For Daniel, it took 21 days. Maybe it'll take seven years and one day for God to respond to my petition. Maybe you have a petition that you've put before God and a prayer request and something that you've been asking God to do for years and you may have abandoned even mentioning it to him anymore because you think he, he just doesn't care or he's forgotten about you or he's just not going to answer you. I want you to know that he hears the cries of his children and he answers them. That's what the book says. And so I'm not going to stop short of the promise that we have in his word that he heals us of all of our diseases. Can you say amen? And some of you, God's speaking hope and faith into your life this morning because you have prayer requests that you put before God and you're wondering, what happened, God? I'm here to tell you he hasn't forgotten. If you'll let him out of the box and you'll go the distance, have faith and believe him to do the seemingly impossible, you better step aside because God's about to do something supernatural in your life. Can you say amen? You see how it all comes together? If you're here right now, or if you're listening online, God's speaking to you as well. So on the count of three, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, if you have a prayer request, something that you've been asking God to intercede, to show up in the midst of, and miraculously do something supernatural in it, it may have been a week, a month, a year, several years. But something has been awakened in your heart this morning by God's word and the power of his spirit to believe once again for it. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet here in this place. Don't be embarrassed because I'm already standing because I'm still believing for my daughter. If you're at home, you're watching, I want you to do the exact same thing. On the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet as well and believe for the seemingly impossible. Are you ready? One, two, three. Wherever you are, stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
you're truly going the distance, then let's step out of your seat and come down to this altar and just say, God, I'm going the distance. I'm taking the next step. I'm going the distance just like the 2019 Dominican Republic team did. I'm going the distance. I'm coming down to this altar, and I'm going to believe you for the seemingly impossible. Come on, if you're standing to your seat, step out of your role. Come on down here and stand before the Lord, and we're going to conclude in prayer right here. Come on. Come on, wherever you are, wherever you are. If you're at home right now, I just want you to stay standing and raise your hands to the Lord right now, wherever you are. Come on. Come on. Life, for I have given you the breath of life, Hallelujah. and it will reach those that are younger because yeah. they need to know that this, my yeah. spirit is what's leading everything. It's yeah. by my spirit I say that it will happen. And those that have heard of not just the poems, but have been given songs in the night. Yea, I will visit you again afresh. I have not laid down. I have not, I have not forsaken you. But yea, I have come even today to lift you Thank up you, and let you know Hallelujah. that you are important to me. That you do have a job, saith the Lord Almighty. Mm. And I need you to spread out my spirit to the new generation. Hallelujah. And yea, the Lord. middle generations and mm. the young that Thank you're you raising. Lord. Yea, I'm charging you to know more of me than you've ever yeah. known before. Yes, Lord. To know me in an intimate way, Jesus. not by just head knowledge, but spending special time with me. Hey, yes, Lord. For yea, even the children that are in this room that hears my voice, saith the Lord will even be brought questions into their hearts and their minds. And you that are responsible, you that are the parents that I have set forth from the beginning of time. I have given you and I will give you the words to speak, to give them understanding if you will just study my word and know my spirit of what it is. Do not think this is strange, for my spirit will even grow more stronger as the day comes when I shall gather my bride for the final time. Are you ready, Hallelujah. saith the Lord? For yea, I'm walking up and down these rows, and I'm looking right at your heart. I'm not looking at anything else. I don't see your wallets. I don't care about your wallets, for see, I own everything. But do I own your heart? Give your heart to me today, saith yes. the Lord of God. Yes, Lord. And let his spirit draw you, let my spirit draw you, saith the Lord, that you will draw so close to him that when you dance, yes, Lord, that when you dance, there's some of you that's never, you haven't danced in your life. And some of you have danced and you wonder, when will I dance in the spirit again? And yea, I say, I will give you that charge to dance before me like David. And you shall rejoice, saith the Lord. And I will make Thank a difference you. in yes. your life yes. and those around you. I will draw those that are lost in mm. your family that you're worried about right now. There's somebody right back here mm. that's worried about a family member. And mm. God is going to draw them. Will you raise them up? Will you be an advocate for them uh, right now? Call those you. things that are not as though they were right now in the name of Jesus. For I see your lost ones. Where can they go from my spirit? Nowhere can they go. Nowhere can they go, but my hand is there. Will you intercede for them? Will you stand for them when no one else will? When you've heard even family members say, I give up, don't give up. 
For there's breath in them, and if there's breath in them, there is life, and there I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For it's not over. It's just beginning for my spirit to be poured out upon my flesh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God would give Thank you, you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. The Holy Spirit often interrupts our life. <laughs> he interrupted the life of the Virgin Mary. And he said, surprise, <laughs> you're going to carry the Son of God. He interrupted the life of Joseph. And he often interrupts our lives. Maybe today is one of that moments that he has spoke to you. Maybe you need to surrender your life to the Lord. Maybe you need to continue to pray for that unsaved loved one. Maybe you need to step out in faith in that area of ministry that God is calling you. The Lord is here today and he has spoken to us through a multiplicity of ways. Now as we leave, it's up to us to respond to respond. We need to be obedient to what the Lord has asked us to do, to be the light, to be the workers in the field, to be that hand of compassion, that voice of forgiveness, that melody of hope. And I trust that as Jesus has come as our gift, our gift to him will be an open heart of obedience not just this Christmas season, but during this coming year. Will you sing it with me one more time? Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us Adore him, Christ the Lord. Father, we thank you for our time together on this Christmas Sunday. We thank you for the carols that reminded us of days gone by. Thank you for the children. Thank you, oh God, for the music that touched our heart and the dramatic reading that helped us to remember who you are. And God, thank you for speaking to us afresh and anew through the gift of the Spirit. And now, Lord, I just pray that we will respond appropriately, that we will go out from this place, and that we will shine forth the light of Jesus in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our workplaces, that we might be your hands, your voices, that we might proclaim that Jesus Christ has come. And he will bring hope into every situation. We love you, Lord. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for continuing to walk with us in the days ahead as we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.